Hey, what's going on? Happy Friday to you. First Friday of 2023, it is the People's Show. I'm Bick Nazar, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You want to chime into the show, 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, the smart alternative Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Dom, Ben, running the show today on a Friday. A uh, busy Friday, too. Uh, we'll connect with Brad May in just a moment. Uh, May Day joining the show here uh, this month. And uh, also, uh, we'll got Big Six coming up in about 20 minutes. Kevin Woodley on a Friday from InGoal Magazine, InGoal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. And the People's Picks, Friday Football Preview. So it's a lot to get into. Uh, Canucks win last night. Their best performance of the year for certain. Uh, and let's get into it with Brad May, who joins us for the first time in 2023. 18 years in the show. Uh, former Vancouver Canuck May Day. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, just enjoyed the nice holiday and yeah. get back into the game now, back into the league swing. What would you guys get up to for the holidays? Um, my family, we actually went down to Florida. Uh, my kids are at the age of working age, so I had to wait for them, and we were worried they wouldn't make it because of the blizzard right. in Toronto and Buffalo, of course, but um, everything worked out. We had a really nice time, and um, we're back north of the border at the cottage. Uh, actually, before we get into uh, some NHL stuff, holidays, you know, full of uh, time to sit around, watch the World Juniors as well. Uh, your thoughts on how that tournament played out, and uh, I, I guess just seeing Connor Bedard as well. Well, Connor Bedard, what a story! Um, and you know what? I'll I'll start with his comments last night after winning. He's like, "It's not about me; it's about this team and us playing in front of our country." And um, you know what? These young players are so they're skilled on the ice, but they've been taught how to, you know, conduct themselves. Either that or this guy's just got incredible character. Um, but he said all the right things, and um, you know what? What a player. We're going to be treated to – and we already are with some of these young stars, but um, they're still coming, and they're coming in waves. So Connor Bedard's going to be fun. I, I do wonder with, with someone like him that's been you know, in, in such a focus since, what, he was you know, 13, 14 years old. Like People have heard the whispers of how good he is, and – that that moment that you talked about last night, it, it certainly shined on a lot of people just because you almost have to learn that level of humility when you're in the spotlight that early. And it can go either way. It can you, know, you can let it go to your head, but in a team sport, you kind of have to figure that out. I, I think that's the cool thing about hockey. I mean, outside of other sports and, you know, just the culture, you, you really can't get away with being a real, you know, I mean, maybe uneducated. Some players that just can't get in front of the camera and talk, you know, honestly and openly, but um, it, you, you, you can't make too many mistakes. Somebody's going to be seeing you and, you know, corrected. So, but this guy is, he's, he's as good off the ice as he was on it and, and Hall of Fame numbers, right? I mean, the way he scored goals and just the way he created offense for Canada. But there's so many other great stories, you know, from their gold, gold medal win. Um, you know, you don't want to just ca- get caught up on Connor Bedard, but um, Canada, they played well. They were expected to do well, and um, under that pressure, it's pretty impressive. Uh, were those uh, goals for you in the America game? Um, you know what? I think truly, well, but the letter of the law, because everybody was talking about it. Yeah. Um, the referee made the right call, right, with the interference. But you, I don't like it. That was an unbelievable play by Jason Blake's son. 
Um, you know, spinorama with control of the puck. If the puck carrier doesn't have the right to go to the blue paint, right, to sc- try to score a goal, I mean, why why does the goaltender get preferential treatment? You know, when, when somebody has full control of the puck. I don't understand that. Although there was contact, clearly, but it was just so min- minimal. That was a great goal. Uh, taking a peek at uh, what's happening here in Vancouver. So last night they have uh, their best effort of the season, you know, traditionally I would say arguably just to provide a little bit margin of error, but it's, it's definitely their best effort of the season against the Stanley Cup champions amidst a three-game losing streak. They win 4-2, and you, we, we've seen the highs of this team. Like, you put that performance up against a lot of the teams, you're probably going to get two points uh, a lot of the times, but it's the thing that w- that's plagued this team for years now, seasons. It's just chasing consistency. When you played, you know, w- what did you feel like helped the team that you played for uh, find consistency and be able to go on some runs here? Well, number one, it would be personnel. And, you know, orchestrated and constructed perfectly, you know, you you can be a consistent team because you can rely on your players game in and game out, right? So, I mean, I played on good teams and I played on teams that were struggling and trying to become good. And it's a process. And if you're not loaded from, you know, top to bottom with really responsible players, Obviously, you, you, you probably see, you know, play like that. And I think that's kind of the middle of the NHL. Um, you know, teams can go on runs, and then all of a sudden it's like not only are they human, but they show all their human errors, right? And, um, but I, I, love the, I love the effort. I, I, Luke Shen was a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, Luke was amazing. I got to Toronto. He was a rookie um, with the Maple Leafs, and um, he invited me to come stay with him. So I was his roommate for about six weeks. Um, at, his, at his condo, and um, what a what a great young guy he's turned out to be. You know, a real character player. Obviously, he's won a couple Stanley Cups. He was part of those teams in Tampa, and um, he he's got character. And when he steps up and he's throwing hits and he's fighting for his teammates, um, I think that's a spark that a team needs. You know, to answer the question about consistency, you need players that are expected to be that way, play that way, and then you have to have other guys put on different hats at different times and be comfortable with trying to, you know, be somebody that they maybe otherwise don't think they are block a shot, you know, make a, make a play back check. If you're the offensive player, like if Peterson, the, I, I, Peterson, excuse me, I, I really like his game. He had tons of shots, you know, in that victory. And um, I think it was 10 attempts. So um, you got to play to your strengths, but then you got to be able to do a little bit extra to, to help your teammates out of jams. Yeah, there's the team version of how, of how a team goes on some runs here, but you know, just individuals as well, right? Like the 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 individuals create the collective, and you know, last night you, you just saw as you mentioned, you know, Shan Patterson. You can go up and down that roster. It, it, it's the individuals, and you know, sometimes I just feel like a lot of these players don't have their identities of just who they are. But you, you know, great point, and you know, that's 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 up to the player for one thing. But you know what, playing in the under different systems, different people, you know, player, play, a player could think that he, you know, has to do A, B, and C as a, as a player. But I think, I think when, I, when I'm looking at the Vancouver Canucks, um, these guys just have to play their strengths, trust the coaching, and the coaches have to, you know, communicate exactly what they want out of that player. Because I think a lot of guys try to do too much mm-hmm. at times. It, which which is a great thing. I want my players to be like that, but know when to tone it down or know when to be defensive, get up, get above the puck. You know, all the little staples that winning teams do, 
that that creates consistency when your players buy into that and that's up to the coaching staff to really communicate exactly what they want of their player. On the coaching staff, uh, look, it's been well documented. Uh, you know, Bruce Boudreau is kind of in a tough spot here. One year left on his deal, and and just you know, a handful of games to go here uh, left in the season. You know, were you ever in a position where there was a coach uh, kind of in the the quote unquote lame duck year? Yeah, yeah, actually, a number of coaches, and um, you know, the, as as players, you just got to get out there and play. Obviously, all that background noise is relevant and, and it takes a, 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 a full group of guys to be able to buy in and, and, you know, avoid kind of reading, reading the clippings about the team and the coaches. And, but yeah, it's not easy for a coach, but at the end of the day, you got to show up every day. You got to play players play, you know, expiring contracts all the time. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the, the patience of hearing them complain about not having a contract. They just got to go out and we expect them to perform. So, I'd say that that's the same thing with Bruce and other coaches that are in that same position. At the end of the day, success can be evaluated in different ways. It you know wins on the ice for sure, but how about development of players and and growth of of players' games that are in your depth chart? So if a coach can do that, he can be successful different ways. Like as long as he's on board with you know the general manager's plan as well. And and the thing we heard last night from a lot of players, including Luke Shen, who joined us on the post game show, was uh, there was a certain level of honesty in some team meetings uh, over the past couple of days here, and just being able to you know have some level of accountability, and that's been a cause for concern for a lot of Canucks fans because they've seen losing streaks, prolonged losing streaks this season, and the volatility of okay, you see a high, but it's back to losing a bunch in a row. You know the the accountability. How do you create that? Is, is it a verbal thing in the locker room? Because I would imagine you know wins are the most accountable thing because everyone's trying and, and constantly pushing themselves but when, when, when you're a team that's you know 500 slightly below 500 how do you create that accountability again i think that's a, that's the elusive um you know the, the probably the hardest thing you, ha- you can you can do is create that right um teams teams win teams lose great teams you know fall on their face and and then you have some cinderella stories so you just have to somehow create that. And, and where it starts, again, it's the process. Um, you know, waking up, doing the right things, having your players prepared for practice, the coaches to do the same thing. But then, as you say about, you know, Luke's comments about um, accountability in the locker room and having meetings, all the talk is good as long as it's executed and, and implemented into the game. So, um, talk, you know, I could say talk is cheap as well and players don't listen and they continue to make the same mistakes or, you know, wake up with the same behaviors. So um, it's a great group thing, and that's the best thing about team sports. Maybe the hardest thing you can find is that, you know, the mojo, if we knew what the mojo was or that feeling of being in the zone, I mean, that's a trillion-dollar idea and plan if you actually could figure it out. And um, it's elusive, and it takes good veterans. It takes players that have been through it and experience to impart on their teammates. And I love to hear great things about Luke Shen because he was a young player when I was finishing and um, he's carried himself awfully well. I'm proud of him. Does it always have to be like the highest paid player or the best player? You know, we're talking to you and, and you're an opinionated person. I imagine a confident person willing to say some things uh, in a locker room. Uh, who are the people that, that you played with that were always willing to chime in and, and was it always the best players on the team? No. Um, very, very often, you know, would be the polar opposite of that that um that question I, I think some players that are great you know have a real voice in the room other players you know 
um, that that's not their personality. They just go out and play. Um, I think it's a lot of guys, it's, it's a lot of times it's a fourth line player, a veteran player, a guy that's been in and out of the lineup that actually has that, um, that personality outgoing, extroverted personality that, you know, isn't shy about speaking up. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing it yourself, then you're, you know, you're, you're right. an empty gun. Um, you're not loaded. So it takes players that are, you know, playing or practicing hard, you know, earning the respect of their teammates. And if it's about a work ethic thing, that guy has every right to step, step up and speak. At times it might be just preparation. Maybe it's, you know, off ice behavior, you know, where somebody identifies it. And I think, you know, anybody can speak up. Um, I think that's a great thing about the game. I think these young players, how good they are and how much ice time they all get, the best ones, a lot of them probably sit in their hands and they have a lot to offer, but maybe in their environment they're not encouraged. So um, I think it's encouraged comp- uh, communication for everyone. Give everybody a voice. And if you earn your stripes, then you have every right to speak to your teammates. And you know what? Your teammates are going to listen. And then hopefully not only listen, but then you know take that plan to action. So... Um, but that's all about having a great locker room, a great team. And that's why guys that are good locker room guys get traded at the deadline, you know, to successful teams or, or get traded at the deadline to teams that are struggling because they are good people, but they've also had a history of, you know, positivity. Talking to Brad May, longtime NHLer, uh, here on the People's Show. Uh, while we were talking about you know players finding their identity, uh, and you know we, we saw Andre Kuzmenko last night, and I, I think one of the things that I'm enjoying watching him, I'm sure fans are, is it just feels like you you see his personality on the ice. Uh, his game last night, he was a star, uh, first star of the game. Uh, what do you think of him and, and how he's evolving uh, in his first foray in the NHL? I, I love I love the skill level. I, I last night I watched. Um, the world junior game. So forgive me. I did not watch the game. I saw highlights, Um, but I like these young players. I love it when they're confident. And again, that's about the environment they play in. Right. And, and the encouragement they'll get from their coaches and not, and maybe their captains, but I love the growth of this, this young man's game. Um, Highly skilled. He's got, he's got size. He's got strength that he can, he can protect himself and, and put pressure not only on, you know, the, other forward he lines up against, but defensemen in the offensive zone. So um, keep it going. And again, I think it's just about pumping that positivity. And I'm all about energy. And ne- a negative beha- you know, person or negative thought, you know, can derail something great. So um, that's that's the trick: is finding that that consistency and and, and belief in oneself. And and I hope he has it because he is he's shown a great deal of of improvement, but um, confidence. You mentioned, hey, you played on some good teams, you played on some bad teams, and, and, and we're at this time of the year now where, look, we can all see the deadline coming, we can all look at the standings, but as a player, like, how are you trying to channel what you can do here and, and not get distracted about what the next seven weeks would look like? Well, that's it. Again, I, I'm, I'm going to speak, my answer is about, you know, I played 19 years, so throughout my career, I think when I was a young player, I didn't have that that ability because you didn't have you know, the history to look back on mistakes and successes. So um, I think for players, the big thing is, and it's a hard, it's a cliche, but take every game, you know, one game at a time, but one day at a time and break that process down so that you can actually achieve the goals you do set. Because if you set up a goal and say, hey, listen, I want to win some games this week, you know, it's just too vague. You, you can't, you know, completely zero in your attention and focus. So I think it's about really, really setting 
you know, small goals, achievable goals, and every time that you achieve them, success is, you know, the realization of a predetermined goal. That's the definition of success. So if you actually set your goals properly, then you're going to get actually get to the destination that you desire. So for these players, six weeks, a lot of distractions. But you know what? Life gets in the way, but you still have to be a professional. You have to play, and um, the best ones, you know, navigate that best. Uh, they're getting ready to do this road trip. It's Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, and then they do the Southeast uh, trip, uh, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. Uh, what were your favorite uh, road trips in the league? Oh, there's so many good ones, depending <laughs> on where you played, right? Um, a lot of times when, when I was in Buffalo and, and even in Detroit, we love going down south or out west, um, playing in Vancouver. I mean, at, at times for the winter, it's the best weather and it, it's sunny and it's beautiful, but it's always nice to get out of cold, certainly the, the dark winter nights and, and get down to, you know, southern places. So Arizona was always great. The western road trip, you know, California. Um, and then for, you know, the eastern teams, when I was on the east, we loved coming to the Western Canada road trip, which was typically a Calgary, Edmonton, and a Vancouver. And um, hopefully had a couple wins, and it ended on a Saturday night, and we would have been on Richard Street um, <laughs> or Granville back back in the day. Uh, right on. Actually, hey, before you go, um, Ovi just keeps scoring eight oh nine. Now, like coming into this year, you kind of project like hey, you know, 35 goals this year and he's getting to a certain age and can do it for a couple more years and maybe 2025 or that 2025-26 season, we'll see him break the record. And he just keeps on going. And this season looks like he's going to get 50 again and maybe even push 55. And you just start looking at this like, he's going to do this sooner than we realize. Absolutely. And you know what's amazing about it? So I, I, I would, I'd say right now he's the best goal scorer that's ever played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you just think about it. He hasn't broken a record. That's like Tiger Woods hasn't broken a major record. He's the best player that's ever played. He just possibly won't catch Jack Nicklaus. That's just for the amount of championships, right? Um, Ovechkin's shooting on goaltenders that are not five foot seven, but they're six foot six, and they've got a different style. Look at the goalies that are in the league today. The way the game's played. Ovechkin's the best goal scorer. He's going to break Wayne Gretzky's record, I believe. Um, and that's no knock on Wayne, my goodness. He still has 60 records, and he's the best player that's ever played. But um, it's so impressive what Alex Ovechkin is doing. Not only that, he throws big hits too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays with energy. He's that guy that, that actually drags his teammates into the fight. And um, he's still doing that at his age, and, and I'm loving it. He's one of the greatest stories, and, and I really hope he gets it. And I think it's going to happen, you know, sooner, as you said, than than anybody ever projected. The 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 goals are going to be such a highlight for fans. But I imagine, look, you played the thousand forty one games. The durability he's probably had is probably something that players really respect as well. Oh, I think in in so many ways, um, the way he scores his goals, it's he's not a one trick pony. I don't mean it like that, but it's amazing. Everybody in the building knows where he is, mm-hmm. what he's going to do, and he still has the ability to score. That's actually amazing. But he plays with that energy. He was able to take his team to win a Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, he's got all those um, those accolades, but his character. He's, he is a throwback player. Um, I, I love it. He's a Neanderthal. He, 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 he's a big, strong guy, and um, he's impressive. So I don't know if I would. I, when, when he first came out, I was a Crosby fan. Remember, we had to make a decision on who we wanted to like and, and follow. I was still right. playing at the time. Was it Crosby or was it Ovechkin? I, I like Crosby, and, and he's such a wonderful player. But Alex Ovechkin, I want to play with him. I, would, I want to play with a guy with that type of character. 
and um, and, and his compete level. He, he impresses me. Hey, Brad, we appreciate it as always, uh, and we'll talk uh, next week here. Yeah, you got it. Thank you very much. Brad. Enjoy. Brad May joining us here on the show, the People Show. Uh, you hear him again uh, next week as well here on the People Show. All right, uh, before we get to break, uh, let's get to it. Bick Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Bick Six. Uh, three and three last week. Seems like uh, we stabilized the uh, the losing streak, but it's not looking great to get above 500. 43, 54, and 5 on the year. It's 44.3% if you're a quick maths. Uh, let's start it. Lions plus four and a half at the Packers. Who have the Packers beaten here in this run? I get they got a chance to go in. It's Aaron Rodgers. I get it. Bears, Rams, Dolphins, and the Vikings, who we've confirmed aren't a top 10 team anymore. Remember all that grief I got like a month and a half ago? Goodness me. That's not a top 10 team. This all comes down to the run game for Detroit. Yes, Green Bay has improved defensively, but you look at some of the numbers, some zone running, they have struggled. And if the Lions, with that offensive line, they can play the game any which way they want. And if they start to pound the rock against the Packers, that's where this game starts to get away from Green Bay. They have struggled consistently. Come crunch time, defending the run. I'm going to take the four and a half here. Lions win in Lambeau. 26-23. Rams plus six at Seahawks. It's the rock, paper, scissors of the NFC West. Pete Carroll beats Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan beats Sean McVay. And Sean McVay beats Pete Carroll. Not that I necessarily think Seattle will lose this, but six points is a lot for a defense that really struggles. It's also been adjusted up as well. Open four and a half, goes to six. Baker Mayfield, one more game to put some good tape down for next season. And the Rams have improved a great deal running the ball lately as well. I'll take the point. Seahawks win, but it's a tight one, 27-24. Steelers, minus two and a half versus the Browns. All Mike Tomlin has to do to keep his streak alive of over above 500 is a home win versus the team they've dominated. I'll take under a field goal, but it's also the Steelers finally looking like a classic Pittsburgh team. They're running the ball well. Defense is playing out of its mind with TJ Watt back in the groove. Uh, Browns offense has hit some struggles with some consistency. They can look great one drive, but drive to drive to drive, quarter to quarter, it can hit highs and lows. I'll lay the points here. Steelers win 23-17. Panthers plus three and a half at the Saints. We've been on the Panthers uh, quite a bit here recently. Uh, That was a tough loss last week. Uh, to not cover even in that spot. Sam Darnold makes a couple of mistakes, giving Tampa short fields. But they've been playing well, and I don't see a big difference between the Panthers and the Saints. So to get the hook at 3.5 here, I'll take the points. Panthers win 28-27. Colts, minus 2.5 versus the Texans. Yeah, we're back in Jeff Saturday. Uh, They've been losing all these games, but there is no way the Texans are going to want to win this game and screw up first overall. The Bears are out here starting Nathan Peterman. All the Texans got to do is just hang on for one more week. They were not good last week. I know we were on them. They look like they've uh, packed up shop for this season. Davis Mills making all sorts of mistakes. I'm going to lay the points here in this game. It should be an ugly one, but I'll lay the points. Colts win 20-14. to 14. And wrapping it up, Raiders plus 9.5 versus the Chiefs. Chiefs are not covering spreads right now. They get inflated. They're going to be a number one seed. Everyone likes to bet them. But the numbers are overinflated. It's nine and a half here for a team that's playing really hard. Yes, Statham goes in. 
He's just going to have to manage the game here in this spot. Nine and a half is a lot of points. Back door always stays open. And the Raiders give them credit. They have been playing hard uh, to wrap up the season. Josh McDaniels has uh, stabilized that offense as well. I'll take the points. Chiefs win. They get the number one seed. But Raiders cover here 33-27. So that's Lions plus four and a half. Rams plus six. Steelers minus two and a half. Panthers plus three and a half. Colts minus two and a half. And Raiders plus nine and a half. For week 18, Big six. All right, on the way, Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. We'll tour the league talking some goalies with Woodley next year on The People Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. It's the People Show. We'll connect with Kevin Woodley in just a couple of moments here. Do you want to start with the People's Picks, though? Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Get a $5 free bet when you make a $25 same-game parlay wager on NFL games. Conditions apply. Must be 19+. plus. And taking a look at uh, Play Now here, uh, some Super Bowl outright odds. Bills and Chiefs, currently your co-favorites. They're both in the top five of the power rankings. And uh, 49ers and Philly tied for second best odds. Uh, as far as who's taking the line share of the futures bets, highest percentage share of bets are the Buffalo Bills. 7.6% of the bets and 15.8% of the handles so far. Looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, as mentioned, minus nine points versus the Vegas Raiders at the Raiders. Uh, 73% of the handle coming in on the Raiders. So lining up with uh, pick six there as well. And looking at the Jaguars and Titans game, uh, most of the money coming in on the Jaguars at minus six and a half. That's People's Picks brought to you by Play Now Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. We'll get to the Friday football preview brought to you by Clayton Public House in just a minute. But first, let's talk to Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. Woodley, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm even better because today we just wrapped uh, our 200th episode of the In Goal Radio Podcast. Massive. Just, uh, just did our interview, so nice little milestone. And our feature guest is uh, none other than Canucks fan favorite. Should be in the rafters. <laughs> Roberto Luongo. Oh. So, did not know this, but Roberto informed me as we were doing the podcast that he doesn't do podcasts. Oh, and exclusive. So he's only done, he's done two. Our first ever episode, which was me and him driving in my car, sharing a microphone, <laughs> and then episode 200. So, we're over four years old. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good mood, Vic. Wait, not so who- just because the Canucks left everyone in Vancouver happy last night. Who was holding the microphone if you were driving? I was literally driving and passing it back and forth. He was holding Amazing. it. I was holding it. Let's just say that. Um, Did he get a producer credit got, on that one? If he's if he's helping out with the uh, the tech, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure that that should have been higher when he went into the <laughs> Hockey Hall of Fame. That should have been listed one time producer of the initial episode of. Uh, <laughs> but let me let me tell you let me tell you because uh, we 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 made a trip out to sort of the suburbs and it was on the way back that we started the conversation and as we got back towards the team hotel. 
and into downtown Vancouver. Imagine pulling up at a stop sign or a stoplight and the car next to you looking over and there's Roberto Luongo in the car holding, holding a microphone. My only regret is that A, I didn't take pictures and B, that was early in our podcast days. We did not have a, I now have an Ingle magazine mic flash, but I didn't have it at the oh, time. But yeah. we got a few strange looks and finger points as we were driving back into town that day. Life's pretty charmed if that's a big regret for you, man. Didn't yeah, have an Ingle radio hey, magazine po- uh, mic flash. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's life is good today. So I'm in a very good mood. Let's go. Let's fire it up. Goalie yeah. talk, Canucks talk, whatever you want, buddy. I'm ready to go. Uh, Colin Delia, uh, getting, uh, some shine here after another strong performance, uh, last night. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I hadn't looked at the updated numbers based on last night, but headed into it, um, his adjusted numbers on Clearside analytics, you know, in terms of adjusted save percentage, uh, were basically the only thing that was, keeping him down with sample size, but adjusted save percentage was sort of, you know, unlike a goal saved above expected, it's, it's not about uh, sample size. He, he'd be leading the league. Like he was plus four and a half percent, which is, you know, top of the NHL. So um, he's played well since he's got here. I think he's actually improved. If you go back to that first relief appearance, not that it was bad, but there was less control in his mm-hmm. game. Uh, I think we all sort of, it was hard to miss sort of just how, you know, and again, you're not prepared for that start. You're thrown into a tough situation, teams trailing. Like, you know, you're 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 not in a starter's mindset at the time, so that may have played a role. But that was a little all over the place. There were some great moments in, and he made some brilliant saves. Um, but there's more control in his game. I know he talked last night about having a game plan. I think you can see, um, and these really, you know, they're they're not complicated. Um, you look at the way he's moving into his posts. Uh, I talk about that a lot, sort of the system that Ian uses in terms of post-integration, when you seal, when you get out of it, how you go into it, how you get out of it. And it seems to a lot of people from the outside like that's not a big deal. But when plays move down and around the goal line and behind the net and down below the hash marks and so much offense is created so often from those areas in today's game, your ability to get in and out of those spots you know, uh, fluidly, uh, cleanly trusting your coverage, trusting you can get to your net. Like it's such a big part of the game for goalies. And um, yeah, we've seen other adjustments, how he retreats off the rush, the little shuffles that we've talked about in the past with, you know, both Thatcher Demko and then Spencer Martin learning them. Um, but I think that's the big one, just having that as a home base. And so when you talk about a system and being comfortable with, you know, the game plan that he now has, I think that's a big part of it. And you see it like, you know, like puck goes into the corner, whether it's on a rebound or on a pass or, or you know, so, uh, something hits a leg and, and goes into the corner. It's just like like snap, bang, boom, in, locked, back edge loaded, ready to seal the post, ready to push across if it goes behind the net, ready to push to the top of the crease if it goes low high. Like everything is just sort of builds from that spot out. And there's a comfort level that he seems to have now, maybe more so than when he first got the call up. And I think that just bleeds into other areas of your game in terms of playing with control and, you know, looking calm and looking like a goalie who, you know, is in control of his game and in control of the game as a result. Yeah, when, when we talk about control, I think a lot of people look at just at like eyes and look, that's an important part of it too, but also just like the way, you know, your blocker and your glove are working. But, you know, for as you detail there, control starts with your feet. Oh, the game's all about footwork. Um, you know, I mean, what, UC Saros had 64 saves last night. Um, you know, it's one of the best goalies in the league. 
And that's, that's just all about uh, the way he skates, the way he moves and his footwork, like set and square seems like such an oversimplification of Mm -hmm. the position. Um, But as things have gotten more complicated in terms of the way players attack, uh, it's funny, we were talking to Billy Ranford not all that long ago, and, and Billy really, really dug in uh, on his, um, during the pandemic. Like, if there was a goalie conference, if there was a goalie webinar, if there was anything, equipment even. Like, he joined one of our equipment webinars because he wanted to learn. He reached out to former pupils, guys that he worked with that were still in the NHL, just to talk about strengths and weaknesses and how their game involved. Like, he really, he really dug in on his craft as a goalie coach, and one of the things that he said he came back to like for all the new techniques and all is, is it's really all about being set and square. Now there are new, more efficient ways to get set and square and to stay ahead of attacks that are more dynamic than ever and more East West than ever. But that's at the end of the day, what, what it's about. And to me, that's, you know, that's positioning and comfort in your footwork. And, and again, moving off the post, being able to recover off that post up to your feet and, and arrive set square beating plays. That's what we talked about with Demco, never behind the play, always ahead of things. And, you know, there's certainly more and more of those elements. Uh, you know, we saw it with Spencer Martin. We see it now with Colin Delia. Um, just a lot more times that he's ahead of a play, and that sets you up for everything else. And, you know, the, the thing with him is he's got so much power, and we talked about this when he signed him, like so much horsepower, so much, you know, the ability to make big dramatic pushes, um, but he's putting himself in positions where he doesn't need to as often. And I think that's where when you make one big push one way, as impressive as that horsepower is, you got to be able to stop it and control it at the other end. And so if you're not on your knees as often, if you're not, you know, recovering with those types of pushes as often, you're going to look more in control. You're going to look calmer. You're going to look quieter in the crease. And, you know, and, and yet you still have that in reserve. You still have that horsepower to make a big dramatic push when you need it. Um, you know, on a, on a reactionary play or a bang bang play or a rebound that spits out to the back door, and he's got all those elements. And you know, right now, he's got them all under control. Uh, I do want to touch on a bunch of stuff that isn't Canucks related, uh, Canucks goaltending related. I imagine uh, the goalie world buzzing after uh, UC Saros's performance last night. You know, usually we talk about best performance of the year, and it's usually like a you know thirty nine forty two save shutout or something like that. He lets in a few goals, but there's a six next to the amount of saves he made. Yeah, the only sad part to me is that it's apparent, much like it was late last season, when they basically played him into an injury by playing him in back-to-back games despite maybe not 67 save workloads. Uh, I'm worried that the National Predators are trying to kill UC Soros. That's that's kind of my biggest fear at this point. Um, But, man, like, I haven't, because I was covering the Canucks game live, I haven't had a chance to look at, you know, sort of what all the saves look like, um, you know, in terms of, of... of the quality uh, and, and what he was facing. I don't have, you know, sort of have that, um, that ability. And I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of, you know, what his adjusted numbers were in that game. But, and again, Hey, it's Carolina, right? Like, again, not trying to discount anything. um, They do shoot a lot though. (laughs) They do. Like, you know, we talk about how teams are being more selective and that's why save percentage is down. Um, You know, there's one that isn't like they, they throw stuff at the net where other teams have decided that's not something they want to do. They want to go for quality over quantity. Carolina is all about, uh, you know, for the most part, they, they, they search for quantity and they're willing to make, you know, take shots that other teams frankly aren't. So, um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I just don't have the numbers in front of me to tell you how much of that was going on. But at the end of the day, when you make 64 saves uh, and face 67 shots, like, um, you know, a goalie who is quite often referred to in the goalie world is sort of uh, an everyman goalie. Like everybody loves him because he's sort of proving that small goalies uh, can have success. Like he's the poster child for everyone who's not six foot four, uh, hands up, include myself there. Um, you know, anytime you have a performance like that, it just, I mean, it's going to be celebrated in the goalie world and deservedly so. And you know, like I said, I don't have the numbers from last night's game, but they appear to be included in clear sites overall uh, season totals. And he has jumped up to leading the national hockey league in goals saved above expected with a little more than 16 at this point. We talked a while ago uh, about uh, the, the goaltending situation in LA and they had waived Cal Peterson and you kind of look at say, it's another run of Jonathan quick uh, and we'll see what they can do. But now here comes Phoenix Copley, who's emerged and helped shoot the LA Kings to third in the West here, uh, or maybe like more like sixth in the points percentage. But you know, what about his game has finally emerged and, and come to the surface uh, for a player who is, you know, finally getting a run at, at the top club, top level? Well, you know, you know, it's interesting because uh, I don't think his game's changed all that much. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk. You know, we talked about Billy Ramford. I haven't had a chance to talk about some of the elements that maybe he's made adjustments to since he arrived there. Uh, Phoenix, uh, very much uh, a, a quote-unquote tracking goaltender. Um, really bought in with Scott Murray in Washington and had some, some success in Washington as well. I was actually a little surprised he didn't get the call up, um, you know, that, that went to Zach Fukali a couple of times last year and he, and he had some success, but uh, Copley's a guy who he moves with, a, there's a lot of efficiency, kind of reminds me a little bit of Delia. Like there's a lot of horsepower there. He's a very like high end athletic goaltender. He's, he's uh, like, he's a physical specimen, takes very good care of himself and has a lot of power under the hood. Um, but he plays in a, you know, a much more sort of everything really good rotation into movement. Um, it's funny. It's a different type of athleticism. I think a lot of people would look at it and I don't want to use the word robotic cause that's not how I think of him. And I don't think I've heard anyone else describe it that way, but it would look a little bit that way. You know what I mean? It would look a little bit, pre-programmed a little bit rigid and stiff at times and yet his ability to sort of control the space in front of him off the release not open up keep everything sort of moving into the puck rather than pulling away from it uh and the efficiency with which he moves in terms of top-down rotation when he pushes and gets somewhere he arrives set and square he's not getting there and then building those elements uh, he moves in a very efficient manner. And so I'm a little surprised it's taken him this long to get another opportunity, but not surprised that he's having success with it, um, you know, especially in a small sample. Let's see if the biggest thing, the biggest challenge for any goalie when they get these opportunities, we've seen it with Spencer, is as they pile up, everything changes. It's It's a different animal when you become the number one guy. And I'm not saying he's the number one guy, but we're seeing – him get more and more of these starts ahead of Jonathan Quick, whose numbers are still, you know, down not far from where Cal Peterson's were when he got sent down. So, um, you know, this opportunity is going to increase. And the question becomes can he sort of continue to find that balance in his game as the repetitions in practice decrease, as the ability to recover and feel good physically disappears? Um, with more starts comes more. Uh, challenges for a goaltender, especially the first time through. And Phoenix is a guy who actually hasn't even played a ton, even in the American League over the past couple of years. So um, love what you're seeing so far. It's good for the Kings. They obviously needed this 
in goal, um, but maintaining it will be a different challenge, and I'm curious to see uh, how he does in that regard. You mentioned coming from Washington, that Washington school there. Um, Ovi's getting a bunch of headlines about how they're having success here. Obviously, that's going to happen when you score goals and you're you're chasing history. But are, are what Washington's goalie's doing getting overlooked right now? Oh, Bick, like, I came in in a good mood, and you're just going to, like, put this one up on a tee for me? <laughs> what did I call the best contract from a goalie perspective in the offseason? To me, Charlie Lindgren at 1.1 for three years, because I think you're going to get three really good years. Um, stumbled a little bit out of the gate, but I don't even think it was so much a stumble. If you look at the starts he was getting, it was murderous row. They were, they were basically, like, giving him all the tough back-to-backs against elite opponents. Um, once Darcy Kemper went down and Charlie became the guy on a night in night out basis, and he wasn't just getting fed to the wolves. Uh, I think you saw his game settle down a little bit. Um, and statistically, you know, he's, um, I'm just looking it up. We're good radio, Kev, uh, look things up while you're talking, but he, you know, he was at plus 2.2% last time I checked, which was easily inside the top 10 from an adjusted save percentage, uh, measurement this year. And, you know, he had, had even passed where Darcy was at. And I thought Darcy had actually settled in Washington maybe even a little quicker than I expected. If you remember his last year with Colorado, the first half wasn't great, but he was arguably playing at a Vesna caliber level in the second half before the eye injury in the playoffs. And so I thought there'd be a bigger adjustment period for him in Washington and he's actually been really good too. So they're both giving them really good goaltending. Um, but Lindgren doing it gives me a chance to pat myself on the back. So I appreciate that, Vic. Uh, one last one, because I think we've talked about Linus Olmark as well in Buffalo. Uh, and now here he is just thriving in Boston. Now the entire institution of the Bruins gets praise, uh, but is, Line, is, is Olmark getting enough love? Um. You're probably not, actually, because I do – you're right. I, I, a lot of the conversations um, that we hear about the Bruins are is about how good a team they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, he's, he, he, he's a big part of that, but I'm, I'm not sure he gets enough of credit for how big a part of it. Because Swayman he's was got, supposed to like, take over, like, last year, and he's fought him off, and he's got, like, a 939 save percentage right now. Yeah, and I don't know if you've had a chance to read the article. Um, NHL.com's uh, one of our feature writers, and she's excellent. Amelie Benjamin's based mm. out of uh, Boston. I don't know if you saw the piece where Linus, or Linus actually it is, really opened up uh, about some of the things he was going through over the past couple of years in terms of dealing uh, not just with his father's uh, death recently, but with his father's alcoholism. Um, like he, re- like she just, it's, it's an incredible piece. Um, he opened up uh, quite a bit in it. And so, you know, it really gives you a sense of, you know, you're right. Swayman was pushing it. Swayman's, you know, one of the you know top young goalies coming up in the game. Another sidebar on him against Copley last night. First time we've ever had two goalies from Alaska face off. Phoenix, uh, Swayman's from Anchorage and Phoenix is actually from the North Pole. Um, but I, 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 I think that Linus's first year in Boston, there were a lot of things going on beyond just the challenge of switching teams and a new goalie coach and a new group and a new city for a guy who'd only known Buffalo. And so the chance to adjust and he's a goalie that reads the game really well. And I do think that's where the structure comes in. Yes. He's got a high expected save percentage. That's a goalie friendly environment in Boston, but he's outperforming it by like two and a half percent 
which is second in the NHL only to Philip Gustafson at this point. And obviously Gustafson's a much smaller sample size. So, um, but I think because he reads the game so well, he's got a really solid technical foundation and under Bob Essen, he's got a little bit of flow, a little bit of sort of movement to his game preloads for some of the big pushes rather than being static moving into them. Um, which is a, you know, that's a thing that's, uh, not on the technical side of that balance. It's a little more feel and flow. But Linus just reads the game so well that putting him behind that structure, I mean, it's it's a great recipe. And the other part, and you always talk about looking at technique and I can see what's going on between the pipes, but you can never see what's going on between the ears. And obviously he had a lot going on between the ears for over the past couple of seasons in his personal life. But there are some signs he shows us into his personality I think even in the winter classic, like the way he embraced the equipment as, as odd as that sounds to point to the way he, there's almost a childlike, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but a childlike joy that he finds in the game. Um, you know, like he, like they didn't just dress up in the Red Sox outfits. Like he went and found vintage cleats to wear so that he could be that much bigger a part of, that walk-in that they, the Boston Bruins did for the Winter Classic. He did the Andy Moog mask. He did the Byron Defoe pads. Like, he just... There's been times, I think, in his career where that side of it has been almost dismissed and almost seen as a negative, but there's a sort of joy he takes in the position. There's times where I think their past coaches have thought he doesn't take it seriously enough from a this-is-your-job work ethic thing. Like, look at his social media. Like, he would tell you that if he could, he'd be a professional video game player, right? Um, but he, under the pressure of taking over from Tuka Rask and the spotlight that comes with playing on a team that now has the expectations that the Bruins do, you know, a lot of guys would wilt under that. And I think the way he just approaches it, almost it can feel aloof at times, but there is also a joy to it. Like, he just kind of geeks out on being a goalie. Um, he's like me, just with a crap load more talent. He gets into this stuff. He talks about gear for hours. Like, um, I think it's a good recipe. Like, I think in a market that can be tough, I mean, look at how they treated Tuka Rask. Uh, his mentality and his approach might be a perfect fit. Uh, hey, man, awesome stuff as usual. We got to run, though. Uh, if you want to catch him, uh, of course, at Kevin is in goal on Twitter and the 200th episode uh, with Roberto Luongo of In Goal Radio Podcast. Uh, when's that come out? Uh, should be, and I'm going to put pressure on the producer. Should be out by tomorrow uh, <laughs> afternoon at the latest. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. In right. Goal Magazine Radio. In Goal Radio. Ma- in Goal Radio Podcast. I'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. All the best. Kevin Woodley joining us here on the People Show. We got to run. Canuck Central on the way. Yannick Hansen and the Friday Mailbag with Satin Dan here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.